Sisters in the Shadows is in aid of Nordif Robbins. Nordif Robbins is the largest independent music therapy charity in the UK, dedicated to enriching the lives of people affected by life-limiting illnesses, isolation or disability. Their music therapists are expertly trained to tune into each movement, reaction and expression of the individuals they work with to discover how music can enrich their lives. They are absolutely brilliant. But they receive no government funding and so rely on the generosity of their supporters. Charities like Nordif Robbins are really struggling these days and need your help more than ever. As a musician and a music lover, I know firsthand of the healing powers of music. It can lift your spirits, unite people and touch your heart in ways nothing else can. And the amazing therapists at Nordif Robbins use that power to help some of the most vulnerable people in society. If you love music and care about people, and I know you do, I ask you as a proud ambassador of Nordif Robbins Music Therapy Charity to help support their important work today. Just go to nordof-robbins.org.uk to find out more. That's nordof-robbins.org.uk. Welcome to Sisters in the Shadows, Women in Blues and Jazz. I'm Hannah Horton. This is a show that shines a light on the women who have made an impact on blues and jazz since day one. Thanks so much to Colette for asking me to sit in for her. She's busy rehearsing for her one-woman play about Janis Joplin called Tomorrow May Be My Last. I'm a UK jazz saxophonist and today I'm speaking to a fellow jazz sax player, Kim Seifer. So we get to meet in the daytime. How weird's that? I know, hello. It's great to be here. And like you say, great to see you in the, the early hours yeah. <laughs> rather than late at night. I think we've only seen each other in a club, probably underground. <laughs> I think you're absolutely right, yeah. <laughs> but here we are, bright and breezy this morning. Yeah, it's well cold here. How is it cold there? Um, yeah, it has been a bit cold, but um, don't tell my husband, but I have had the heating on full blast, so it's nice and toasty now. <laughs> <laughs> I've got the underfloor heating on, so I've got really warm feet. Oh, I'm jealous now. That sounds lovely. <laughs> so we're here to talk about all things sax and jazz and ladies. How cool is that? That is the coolest thing. We are going to be here all day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so exciting. So... Everybody always says this to me and I'm going to ask you, what inspired you or who inspired you to take up the sax? Well, this is like the never ending question, isn't it? Because I mean, there are so many inspirations out there. Um, so it's always difficult to kind of pin it down. But I think for me, I mean, the initial inspiration was that I, I knew I loved music from a very early age, you know, and I was 
playing the recorder and playing the piano um, and then moved on to the clarinet from an early age. And I just knew that I absolutely loved music. But I think I felt a little bit frustrated because I hadn't found the instrument that I kind of really connected and bonded with that I could really express myself on. Um, And then I kind of came across some great sax players like um, the likes of Grover Washington Jr. and um, Dean Fraser um, and ultimately the incredible Barbara Thompson. Um, And all of a sudden it was like a light bulb moment of like um, there's this amazing female saxophonist playing this instrument that is just the coolest instrument in the world. Um, And so I think that was kind of my like, you know, my sort of inspiration to to move on to the saxophone and try it. And I mean, the minute I I moved to sax, I just knew that this is it. There is no going back once you've played a saxophone. That was it. You know, I started off on the alto, but I think, you know, the more players you get sort of engrossed in, because I eventually sort of moved on. I found um, Andy Shepard and Pee Wee Ellis. And so I kind of got onto tenor as well. And you sort of build up this little family of saxophones. And the more you hear that, the more you, you want to play. Have you got a baritone? I've never seen you play the baritone. No, well, it's funny because obviously, um, well, I'm married to a drummer. So as you know, when we go to gigs, you know, you can't move in our car. We are literally full to the rafters. So, you know, I have occasionally said, oh, I need a baritone. But it, I mean, where on earth it would go? I don't know. But but I have recorded on the baritone because my first album did have baritone on it. So um, I actually hired one for the, for the day. It sounds a bit crazy because I had no time to sort of practice on it. I just literally hired it for the day and recorded on it. And I loved it. But you know, practically, I can't, I can't get a baritone to gigs, not being married to a drummer. <laughs> yeah, fair point. My car's quite full with a barry and a tenor. Oh, I was going to say, I mean, it's huge, isn't it? And, and I mean, they are big, aren't they, to sort of hold. And I mean, like you're so sort of slight and dainty and, you know, but you do brilliantly because the, the sound you get on that baritone is, is beefy, you know, and it's, it's great. <laughs> the other problem is storing it. Like it sits behind the sofa in its case, if it's ever in its case, because you haven't got anywhere in your house that's long enough for it to go. No, this is the trouble, is it? People don't realise. And I mean, <laughs> also, I don't know about you, but, you know, I went through the excuse of saying to my husband that, you know, I really need spare saxophones because, you know, if I'm doing a gig and one's broken, I need a spare and then I need a spare for the spare. So, I mean, we have got rooms full of saxophones, you know, um, and drum kits. I mean, there's not really room for anything else, to be honest. It's just us in a pile of musical instruments. It's, it's interesting, though, what you say about what got you started on the saxophone? You had all this inspiration. I didn't. Oh, interesting. I just got... So how did... I did the recorder because it got me out of going out to play in the cold. Yeah. So I used to at lunch and then somebody came along and said, would you like to learn an instrument? So she's looked at me and said, you could do the clarinet. So I did the clarinet and I just yeah. liked getting the ticks every week. Oh, you've got it. Good, good, good. And then she said, yeah. after six months, she said, right, let's do the sax. So I got an alto at the age of 10 and I was still just, I just liked being good at it. It wasn't, I didn't, oh. I didn't have a love and that's how I found it. It kind of found me, I think, rather than. But you were lucky that you were sort of um, introduced to the saxophone because I mean, where I went to school, I mean, it, it, the saxophone really wasn't really heard of. And that's why I ended up doing the clarinet because it was instruments, you know, like the clarinet and the, the trumpet and, and things like that. And it, when I said I wanted to play a saxophone, it was kind of like, oh, do you? You know, gosh, how are we going to do that then? <laughs> um, but I was I was in the Gloucestershire Youth Jazz Orchestra as well. And so I think that helped because, um, you know, I was surrounded by fellow musicians um, and there were some sax players there. 
Um, so yeah, but I was just, oh, the minute I tried a sax, it was just like, yeah, gosh, this is it. It's just such a great instrument. I, I can't express, you know, it's just, it's just the instrument for me. I just love it. Yeah, I agree. And actually, um, just before Christmas, I went down to, um, Roddy's and sat in with Ray, Ray Gelato. Yeah, all that. Which was so cool. And then, uh, Christmas day, I was COVID positive. I felt so poorly. Yeah. I couldn't yeah. I couldn't play for about uh, about eight or nine days because I just couldn't get any air in. And I've, I was having withdrawal symptoms from my sax. And then when I started playing, there's the usual, oh, my God, my lips awful. Uh, but but then after a few days, I felt like I was dancing with it again. I got it back. You know, it's like it's just like yeah. a, a love relationship, isn't it? It is. I mean, I struggle when we go on holiday. I, I can't cope because I haven't got my sacks, even if it's for a week. But the, the worst thing that happened to me was, and I, people don't know this, actually, but um, unfortunately, um, quite a few years ago, I had Bell's palsy um, and I had facial paralysis that um, went on um, for about 12 months and I couldn't play my sax. I just couldn't play it. And, do you know, that was just the worst time of my life because it was just like something in my life is missing. Um, and it was just so frustrating. But I think, you know, to experience things like that, you, you realise and you become so grateful when you can play it again, because you just realise how important it is to to your life, you know, and literally um, it, it is well, like, you know, it, it is our life, isn't it? And without it, we're sort of we're at a loose end, aren't we? Yeah, I always think it's like our feel good medicine in a way. If I don't get to play on the day, it hasn't quite been a good day. Yeah, <laughs> that's really yeah. sad. Well, in my my mum and dad always um, used to say that sometimes I'd get in from school when I was a teenager, you know, and they could see I'd had a bad day and I sort of come storming in the house and sort of slam the door shut um, as I went through. And then the next thing they'd hear would just be me like blasting out my saxophone upstairs. And then like an hour later, I'd come down, you know, and all, all was fine. <laughs> so it's like therapy, really. Yeah. And I, I think that's a really important thing for the younger generation to take. Actually, you don't, even if you're not, not going to be a, concert performer or whatever if you do something that's really good for you like that in your in your being it's so important yeah definitely absolutely so you mentioned uh your inspirations for the saxophone so have you had any female inspirations well yes and as I mentioned I think you know the biggest female inspiration for me was Barbara Thompson mm. and, and I can't emphasize enough what an inspiration she was and she still is because I can remember you know in my teenage years I'd, I'd met my my husband um Mike and we were sort of um going out and seeing gigs together and of course we were a combination of a, a drummer and a saxophonist and we came across this band called paraphernalia which was being led by this incredible um female saxophonist Barbara Thompson with her husband drummer um as well so the like the combination was just like oh my goodness you know this this could be us it's like you know there's a woman leading the band and she's amazing and there's this incredible um drummer John Heisman that inspired Mike and all of a sudden it was just like well wow you know they're doing it they they got out there and they've done it and she is brilliant you know and she's not only a great instrumentalist but she's a composer and she's a band leader and and she's fantastic so um, she was a huge inspiration. Um, and one of my most special moments in my musical career was last year, actually, when I did a performance at Crazy Cox in, in London. And um, Bar Barbara's daughter, Anna Gracie, 
said she was going to bring her mum along to the show and it was just like oh my goodness that would be amazing and she did get along to the show and I honestly I felt like I just wanted to play my heart and soul out for her because she's such a a special lady and such an inspiration on my life Mm. yeah absolutely that's great Mm. that'll stay with you forever I know absolutely and I mean even now she's an inspiration because you know she hasn't been very well but I've seen videos of her you know when she was struck down um, with with her illness and she would you know she'd go off stage and and be ill and take medication and then she'd come back on stage again and carry on with the gig you know as if nothing else mattered you know clearly she was just a a lady that you know music was everything for her as well um and and so still she just inspires me so she'll just inspire me forever the first uh female sax player I saw that I heard of obviously I'd heard some male ones that's unfortunately the environment we're in at the moment isn't it uh, was Candy Dolfer oh yeah yeah well she was <laughs> well known wasn't she I mean everybody yeah Candy Dolfer yeah, yeah. I saw my dad took it was I was at secondary school and my dad took me and I was allowed to take a friend took my friend Alexander Alexander and um we went to the I think it was the Cambridge Corn Exchange and she and she it the way she just danced around the stage with her sax was just well i'll tell you another i love as well is mindy a bear i don't know that oh check her out honestly she she's just very very cool very very cool what was her what was her name mindy mindy yeah mindy a bear yeah so she's another and I recently um it was fiona ross actually that um kind of uh, mentioned the name of camille thurman and she's um, a saxophonist, but she um, sings as well. And I've recently sort of got into her and she she's amazing. Absolutely amazing. And so, how do you find that when at your gigs when you switch between vocals and sax? People often ask me about that. Um, and I don't really give it much thought, really. <laughs> Although um, I have to sort of um, think carefully sometimes about the positioning of solos, because I have to make sure I don't come out of a sort of a, quite a full on sax solo straight into singing. Um, otherwise I find I can't breathe you know um, but um, but I do love the combination of doing that and of course singing came much later for me I was always just a saxophonist um, bringing in singers to do my gigs with me and one day I just suddenly thought well hold on a minute you know I love singing I, I could do the singing as well <laughs> so I kind of took a few lessons and, um, and just got myself out there really as a singer as well and um, oh, I love it I love that combination you know I, I just think it's um it's great. I really enjoy it. Mm. Coming from a non-singer of me, this is very interesting. <laughs> I can't sing. Oh, but I've always loved singing. You know, like um, at school, I'd always be in the choir. And then when I was a teacher, I'd always run choirs. So I've always loved singing. So really, I'm, I'm quite amazed, really, that it took me so long to realise that I actually could be a singer as well. I feel like I missed a bit of a trick, really, for all those years I was bringing in a separate singer. And I, I needn't have. <laughs> yeah, but you probably learnt, you know, bits of bobs from them as they were doing it, oh, which helped. Absolutely, mm. absolutely. And also as well, and I am a, you know, a specific kind of singer, like a sort of, you know, a jazz singer. And so if I wanted um, to do something, you know, like full on funky or, or something, I would bring in, you know, people that are, are singers. Um, but I definitely enjoy, you know, having that, that, that flexibility and being able to go between the two. Yeah, and speaking of singers, I just saw on Facebook this week about you've done something with a gospel choir. 
Oh yeah. Yeah, bring Stuff your in- own sunshine. But I couldn't. I couldn't find. I, I, I got the um, the trailer. Yeah. But I couldn't find the song. No, well, the song is not released yet. Oh, so, it's really so that's why. So the trailer's out there. It's only a little um, rehearsal video just to tease people. Um, the, the track is out on the first of February. Um, this has been a, a dream to record with a gospel choir, um, and I've finally done it. Um, but it's this um, has been done for a very special reason because it's um, it's a charity single basically for a cancer charity called Maggie's, um, who support people all across. And the country and, and across the world um, and it's in honor of a, a beautiful friend of mine who um, sadly passed away last year from a very very long battle with cancer um, and so it's an uplifting gospel style track which is quite different from my style um, and it features American guitarist B.D. Lenz who's a good friend of mine who I've recorded with before so yeah and I brought in the CK Gospel Choir from London and they are just phenomenal honestly it's like a different experience recording with a choir like that because it's just so uplifting. So, yeah, we had an amazing time um, making the, the song. And, um, yeah, it's coming out on 1st of February. Did you compose it, arrange it, all of that? or how? Yeah, so composed it, yeah, arranged it, um, produced it and um, singing on it and an alto sax solo as well. So, um, yeah, I can't wait to get it out there, actually, and it's for such a good cause, so I just want to... Um, you know, spread the word and um, and try and raise lots of money for the brilliant Maggie's centres. Nice. Cancer's yeah. horrible. So that's great. I can only say horrible because he got my dad and I'm just like, it's just horrible. I, I've had, I've lost so many people to cancer. I lost my mum when she was far too young. Mm. Um, we lost our cousin recently as well from it. And of course, lots of friends as well. My dad's currently got it. <laughs> it's just like, it's everywhere and it is horrible, like you say. So anything I can ever do um, for cancer charities, I, I do it. I did, um, I've actually, I did um, uh, some fundraising for the Brain Tumor Charity a couple of years ago, just before lockdown, actually where I um, composed a song called All For You, which was for my mum. And I did a sellout show with Ray Gelato, because you were saying about Ray Gelato. And we did a whole project, my four mum project, which raised money for the brain tumour charity. So I'm I'm all over cancer charities because they they do an amazing job and cancer affects so many people. And like you say, it's just horrible. Yeah, I I don't know another word to describe it. No. I agree with you. <laughs> yeah, the whole process. Right, let's move on to something more positive. So yeah. uh, when I, uh, we were scheduled to, to do this chat a while back, weren't we? And we couldn't do it. And um, I had to, re- I had great fun in my kitchen dancing around to you, listening to your tracks. Because you know how you listen to some and then you listen to them again. I am one of those people that buys an album and listens to it. And I, I don't always explore other bits because I like to get inside what I've already got yeah yeah but I know other people just like to stream different stuff all the time and so that's how I am and then I did I I was listening to to your album and then you actually had you had some lessons with Wee Ellis and he played on your track with you yes so how was I okay so I would feel I often talk about this uh and it must feel really weird having your teacher play on your (laughs) track with you like does though didn't you feel under pressure yeah, but I mean, so Pee Wee Ellis uh, was a legend. Yeah. And the nicest, most amazing man you could ever meet. And, you know, he was my tutor, but he was just somebody that just loved fellow musicians. 
and heart and soul performers. He was all about the heart and soul in the music. So, you know, he never made me feel under pressure. And in fact, my lessons were just about, you know, playing riffs together. So he would just start playing and he'd say, yeah, join in, you know, let's just play some riffs. And, and we did. And I have to say, I, I learned so, so much from him. He was just incredible. Um, in fact, I'm still, you know, really deeply saddened by the fact that we lost him last year mm. because he was just the most amazing, inspirational man ever. But so the thing was, um, and I'm sure you'll understand this, that, you know, the music industry, we're all in it together. And sometimes you've got to just kind of chance your arm a little bit and be a bit cheeky and, and ask people if they want a gig. Because I've learned this, that, you know, quite often if you ask people if they want a gig, they say yes, you know. So I thought, well, you know, as I've worked with Pee Wee and as I admire him so much, the ultimate would be to um, feature him on my album and to do some gigs with him. So I asked him <laughs> and, you know, he said, yes, of course I would. Why, why would I not? So um, which was incredible. So I recorded um, the album and featured him on the album. And he also performed with me on stage for the, um, the album launch gig, which I have to say I was very nervous for because I did feel a little bit like, oh, my gosh, I'm on stage with Pee Wee Ellis. Not really because I, I felt nervous that he'd be sort of assessing me but just I couldn't believe I was on stage with Pee Wee Ellis it was amazing but one of the most amazing things that um that will be with me forever was the fact that I wrote a piece of music which is a tenor saxophone duet for myself and for Pee Wee Ellis um, it's called Highland Mike and again it was written um in honor of a friend of ours called Mike Carter who was taken by cancer um, he loved Pee Wee Ellis. And I think it will just be one of my proudest moments in life that I, I wrote this piece of music, you know, that featured Pee Wee Ellis and I performed it with Pee Wee Ellis. Um, and, you know, it, this is what it's all about, isn't it? In this business, you do things and, and people can't take that away from you. It's it's something that you've done that's special that you'll always treasure, you know, and it's, it's something I will certainly always treasure. I think I'd feel the opposite if I had one of my teachers. I'd be like, well, <laughs> might it be good enough? That's how I feel. I just Oh, well, <laughs> I mean, that is interesting you say that because in the studio, so it got to the point where, because it's a piece for two tenor saxophones, there's two tenor saxophone solos. So I must admit, I sat and I ummed and I ahed and I debated and debated, do I go first or do I go second? Yes. Yeah. Oh, oh my God, what a decision. Yeah, yeah. anyway, I went first because I thought I don't want to follow Pee Wee. <laughs> I got it out the way oh it was all cool yeah I, th I mm. that's that's often something I find if I'm mentoring someone if you're doing fours you know to to, to inspire them and if you go first they might not want to play but if they go first they don't know what to say so yeah yeah, that's, yeah. Mm. <laughs> I just thought in the end well there's no way I want to follow Pee Wee Ellis I mean come on <laughs> yeah. yeah so what's it like having your husband in the band oh it's absolutely brilliant you know Mike and I are so lucky I mean we met each other you know when we were quite young in the Gloucestershire Youth Jazz Orchestra um, and we just had so much in common you know this love of music and Mike is just the kindest funniest person as well so we just get on like a house on fire um, and I mean, we haven't always worked together because, you know, in our lives before being professional musicians, you know, we both went off and had our own day jobs because I was a primary school teacher and Mike was a bank manager. Um, so it's only since we've um, given that all up and taken the plunge to become full time musicians that we find ourselves like, you know, working together, living together. <laughs> but it's absolutely brilliant. I can't think of, you know, a better combination, really, than, than to just be, be doing that. 
together because we, we both love it and we're both quite different so we take on different roles you know like I'm sort of the creative side of it all and Mike tries to keep control of the the finances you know which um, doesn't really work but he tries <laughs> so we've got sort of different roles in it you know but um but yeah it's great we absolutely love it and you've got someone to keep your company on the drive home well this is the thing and I, I often think you know you know what it's like um, late at night you've done a gig and it's you know it's a long journey home and I feel sorry sometimes for the rest of my bandmates because they get in their car and they, they go off on their own and I'm sure that you know that they're used to it and they probably put on the music and enjoy the journey but for us yeah you know we're together we can chat all the way home and um, stop at the service station I mean that's always a highlight yeah, for us. share the snacks share the snacks absolutely <laughs> So, yeah, so from our point of view, we love it. And we get a bit of banter going on stage as well because, you know, my followers, they know that we're married and, and they like a bit of a sort of a marital tiff on stage, you know, and all the banter. Yeah. <laughs> so do you have any other funny gig stories other than you two having fun? Well, do you know, it's funny because, I mean, there's always a funny gig story, isn't there? Yeah. You know, every gig you do there's a story and it's only the musicians that you work with that kind of get it you know and you build up this this catalogue of funny stories but I have to say that most of my funny stories revolve around wardrobe malfunctions yes I agree (laughs) (laughs) I have had so many so I mean a couple that spring to mind was one gig I was wearing this dress that had all these like dangly bits like tassely bits um, and I was on stage and it was coming up to the point where it's the sax solo coming. And all of a sudden I went to get my sax and I realized that all the tassels from this dress had caught up around all the keys of the saxophone. So I was basically in a tangled mess. So I look at my bandmates like, you know, help somebody help. Of course, they can't help because they're busy playing. So I'm just there thinking, oh, no, this is a nightmare going, you know, getting hotter and hotter. And eventually this lovely lady from the audience came up and sort of onto stage and sort of very carefully untangled me until I could um you know actually play my sax so that was one but but that's not the worst one the worst one which we laugh about now but it actually wasn't funny at the time was um just about to go on stage at Cheltenham Jazz Festival and they'd introduced the band on and all the band had gone on stage and they were they were playing because they sort of play me on um and I was just walking up the steps to go on the stage and I suddenly realized that I'd um, actually burst open the zip all down the side of my dress so I thought well I can't go on stage but the band is playing and the audience are clapping so I had to quickly run down the stairs back to the dressing room like shouting has anyone got any safety pins safety pins you know and they eventually safety pinned me up and about you know five minutes later I go on stage and Mike bless him is looking very very worried mm. like where is she um, so I had to sort of introduce myself to Cheltenham Jazz Festival by saying, sorry, I'm late, but I burst the zip on my dress. <laughs> <laughs> Which did go down quite well, actually. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, but there's been a few, hasn't there? You know, like you say, I'm sure you've had them as well. Yeah, I um, I was playing. So I sat on the stool and I have this habit of double crossing my legs. So over my and then behind oh, yeah. me. And yeah. I was wearing tights with a pattern on and buckled shoes. And I was fine at the time, and then my buckle caught in the tights. And and uh, I was Jim Watson on piano, the grand piano, and it was just too far away for me to fall elegantly. And the, you know, so and I was looking, um, and my boyfriend at the time was in the audience, and I was giving him this look. He didn't get it at all, and I was stuck. I just couldn't free yeah. my legs. And they're literally on the last attempt, and this look must have been like so of so much relief on my face. But I honestly thought I was just going to have to fall off to get yeah. <laughs> to the saxophone. This is the thing. 
you people don't realize do they all the things we have to go through I mean you know it's a lot of work isn't it all this coordinating of buckles and tassels and saxophones yeah yeah <laughs> I, I just and and now I always overthink what I'm wearing what I what do. might go I wrong do. absolutely uh, you're it's so and it's so sad because sometimes I look at a dress and think oh that is beautiful but straight around thinking no potentially that's going to get caught on that yeah so like you say you have to go through oh, it's almost like a sort of a, a risk assessment mm. with your dress mm. <laughs> yep so yeah. how do you feel about the world of jazz and the ladies within it do you think do you think we're fairly represented yet what's your thoughts on all of that well you know it's difficult because I feel that I am surrounded by the most incredible women performers. So I find it difficult to sort of um, step aside from that because, you know, everywhere I look, there are these fantastic women that are leading their own bands and writing their own music and they're instrumentalists and they're vocalists and they're, and they're, they're both. So they're piano vocalists, you know, and, and there's, there's lots of them that are sort of in my kind of circle, if you know what I mean. So women are definitely, definitely out there. Um, and of course, with Fiona Ross um, and women in jazz media, you know, again, we, we get to sort of find out about the most amazing women performers. So, you know, there are definitely lots of women on the scene doing their thing and doing it very, very well. So from my point of view, I, I can only think that things are, are moving in the right direction, you know, because I can't remember back in the day being surrounded by so many amazing women performers. It was very much, you know, male dominated um, and I mean, I've had a few experiences myself back in the early days, you know, where people, when they realised that it was a female sax player, were like, oh, well, can you play? You know, mm. <laughs> do you know what you're doing? Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and you don't really come across that. Um, well, I don't anymore. I, you know, I think there's always room for improvement. And I think it's people like, you know, women in jazz media that are making that difference and highlighting that it needs to change and, and I think slowly but surely it is moving in the right direction yeah I agree women in jazz media are really really supporting that aren't they and and they they it's not just musicians is it it's everybody involved with that oh. which and I think it, it we just need a, you know to keep shouting about it don't we yeah absolutely but um, I mean you know all the people I work with are uh sort of very much you know in favor of that and there's a lot of jazz clubs isn't there in festivals that are always you know it's an equal spread of um females and males um so I, I definitely think that it's moving in the right direction but but you know always more work to do so yeah keep on with it I'd say I think you're sounding very charitable about this I still feel a bit like mm. <laughs> well I guess it depends on this is what I say I, I don't know whether what I'm saying is accurate because I just feel that I'm surrounded by amazing women um, but perhaps if I wasn't involved in like women in jazz media, I wouldn't be so aware of these incredible women. And maybe that's the true reality of it. Mm. Yeah, I, so. I just I feel that perhaps if someone's making a if someone's booking a big band for a, a good club in London or whatever, I don't think in the front of their minds would be females, not because of the male female thing, but just because it's just like a. A traditional thing of it's generally been blokes who are playing mm. and, I, and I, I still think there's a lot of work to be done that they might they don't always think who would do the job it's more like oh yeah I've seen them play they you know I feel that's more it and I think there could be more uh just thought that goes into that yeah and I guess um really it, it should be not even sort of thought about whether somebody's male or female mm. it should just be 
like you know who's a sax player and just like oh who who do I know rather than thinking oh well she's a female sax player and he's a male sax player you know we just want it to be well they're a sax player you know yeah (laughs) so I guess that's the age we want to get to isn't it really yeah I just don't think we're thought of because there's still that more male tradition within it Mm. you're really charitable about it you're really lovely you're very lovely aren't you about all of it (laughs) I'm like well, no, but I mean, I, I, I definitely sort of back in the day, I was very much more aware of it. And I think that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying perhaps that it doesn't still exist. It obviously does still exist because otherwise um, women in jazz media would have no work to do. Yeah. as it was. But I think as the time goes on, you know, like I say, I feel very lucky because I could name, you know, loads and loads of amazing, you know, women women performers out there doing their thing doing it well highly respected who are just fantastic so from my point of view if I was asked to name some of my favorite you know players and that you know a lot of them would be women (laughs) so yeah but um it definitely needs to you know keep on keep on with that keep on yeah yeah absolutely and I think if more females are seen on stage all instruments then I think it will inspire more to come up it just makes them think it's possible that's all yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that's what it's all about, isn't it? You need to, we need to inspire the, the younger generation to keep it going and, and, you know, just that awareness that it's okay to do. I mean, I think my sort of kind of thing that gets me stressed out is that back in the day when I was, um, you know, I clearly had a love and a talent for music, but I kind of, nobody ever told me it was okay to be a professional musician. In fact, everybody always told me, actually, it's not okay. You know, it's a hobby. And even when Mike and I, we both gave up, you know, our day jobs to become professional musicians, you know, everybody was like, oh, are you? You know, why are you doing that? It's just like nobody really gets the fact that well, we're doing it because that's what we want to do, you know, and you can make a living out of it. You've got to work hard. Don't get me wrong. And you're never going to be a millionaire, but, but, but you can do it. And I think that's what we need to inspire people and, and tell people that, you know, if you want to do music, do music. Mm. Don't. Because, you know, I think if I'd have if I'd have just stayed in my teaching job and just kept my music as a hobby, you know, my life wouldn't wouldn't be complete. So sometimes you've got to bite the bullet and go for it. And it is OK to, to go for it. Just just get on and, and do it and try, you know. And is there anybody, uh, any of the younger talent that you think is really on it at the moment? Has anybody caught your eye? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple, actually. Um, I think the first one I need to mention is a friend of mine, Alex Clark, who's a saxophonist coming up through the ranks now, making um, a very good name for herself. She was finalist in the Young Jazz Musician of the Year last year. But I came across Alex um, a couple of years ago because we were playing at the same festival. And I just instantly knew she was going to do well. You know, she's just got the right attitude, the right mindset. Um, Just a really nice girl and... um, plays with all sorts of different musicians gets herself out there so she's definitely one to watch um but also um there's another very um, talented musician called Roella Aloro and I actually taught her um back in the day when I was a primary school teacher um and so she she's sort of I feel like I keep an eye on her you know because obviously she got the inspiration to do music and, and she's doing it and she's studying at Barclay College and um, she's coming up through the ranks as well. So I think definitely those two. Nice. Yeah. So I've got two Hannah questions for you. Ooh. Da, da, da. Yeah, drum, drum roll. Yeah, I'm really, I'm, <laughs> I'm really enjoying my Hannah questions. Uh, so the first one is, 
What's your favourite time signature? Oh, gosh. Well, that's that's a very difficult one because, you know, I have to say, and this will sound really kind of boring, but for me, I just like getting into a groove. So, you know, you can't beat a bit of four, four, just because you can just, you can just kind of go off on the groove, can't you? And you don't have to sort of think about anything, but actually a lot of my original compositions and, um, Sometimes when you put one of these time signatures in, it kind of, it feels sort of like um, a breath of fresh air. And I think it's three, four. I love three, four because it's just something different in amongst a set, I think. And I'm, I'm sure, you know, you were hoping I'd say something like, you know, five, four or something like that. But, you know, I don't know. I just love, I love three, four. No, no, I, I am just interested. I, I really love three, four and six, eight. And when, we were yeah. rehearsing for the album this time last year and I was taking a lot of my originals to the band and um, they were like, another one in three? Because I just have oh. this draw to, to three. Oh, well, that's interesting, isn't it? Because I do too. And, and and I've just written, in fact, I've got some new music coming out in the spring and one of those is in three, four. Mm-hmm. And also I think that the ultimate combination for me is three, four on the soprano. Ah, okay. Yeah. So for me, that just works. It's just brilliant. But it's interesting how you get these, um, yeah, these kind of favourite things. My other Hannah question. Hmm. What would your desert island disc be? Oh, you know, that's, that's impossible. <laughs> that's just impossible. I, I honestly, I, I just, I would absolutely struggle with that because... It depends what mood I'm in. Yeah. What music I go to, you know, I just can't answer it. There are so many great players out there. So, you know, I'd have to have a bit of Andy Shepard out there. I'd have to have some Grover Washington Jr. And I'd have to have some Pee Wee Ellis. And, you know, and I'd have to have some of the old greats as well, like, you know, Billie Holiday and Ella. I I can't, I can't give you it. (laughs) (laughs) It's hard though, isn't it? Like one, one disc. Mm. I, I just don't know. I just don't know. I like Gerald Albright as well. Mm. It is very, it's mood dependent. It is mood dependent. And sometimes I will just binge on one track. Like you were saying, I'm one of these people that I just like to get into a track you know, and um, sometimes if I'm in a sort of certain frame of mind, I will just binge on one track. It'll just be on repeat. It'll be on repeat for hours. Mm. And I just, you know, every time I just, one of them, I think it's a David Sanborn track. It's um, The Dream, I think it is. And it's got like sitar on it. Um, and it's just got this kind of like um, melody that I could have it on all day or on, on repeat. And I would just sing along to the melody every single time. Maybe I'd take that with mm. me. Just, just play it continuously. <laughs> I really love finding out about this from different people. Yeah, yeah. It is hard because then sometimes you just feel the need for, you know, something lively and manic, don't you? So it just depends on your mood, really, I think. Cool. (laughs) I think we're going to have to say goodbye now. Oh, don't go. Come on, let's crack open some of that wine. (laughs) You'll have to come round. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Because we don't really get to chat much when we see each other. It's usually fairly fleeting isn't it work 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 isn't it really normally yeah thank you so much for joining me this morning so that's it for this week thanks to colette for asking us to sit in sisters in the shadows was presented by me hannah horton 
Thanks, Kim, for joining me. It's been a pleasure. Yay! The links are in the show notes for us. Sisters in the Shadows is a Pod People production and also in aid of Nordoff Robbins Music Therapy Charity, which Colette is an ambassador for. Please support them in any way you can. Bye, everyone. Ball.